0: Having a Gas is the podcast that talks to the great and the good of the creative industries and in particular finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for commercials, for dancing to, for cooking to, cooking to and more. Today I'm having a gas with Richard Huntington, chairman of the board at Saatchi & Saatchi, perhaps Britain's most notorious ad agency. Responsible for campaigns such as Direct Line's Winston Wolfe, EE's Kevin Bacon series, and helping to propel the Conservative Party to victory in 1979. Uh, just briefly, before we go through some of the questions that I uh, had for you, uh, your current role is um, chairman and chief strategy officer at Saatchi's, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And so what does your life look like day to day?
1: Well, I mean, I think that um, you know, the the, 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 tr- the truth in our industry Nowadays is is you're a practitioner or your or your or your uh, your overhead and so uh, you know I'm a planner by trade I've got these grand titles but I'm a planner by trade and a day t- today looked a lot to me like planning and I think one of the things about being a CSO is you're just the most useful strategist it's not you're better than anybody else but yeah. but you're you you're able to turn your hand to to uh, you know repositioning a you know, a, a, a big service organization, or the call to action on a radio ad—that that, that's what you've got to be able to do. So it, it, you know, those titles all sound very grand, but I'm a, I'm a jobbing planner basically, and I, f- I was going to say, fucking, I fucking—I mean, maybe I'm allowed to say that. I fucking love it because, a bit, you know, it's, it's kept me, it's kept me going for thirty years now, and um, uh, and and I still find it, a, it's, a, it's a, well, we've got a brilliant industry under lots of pressure, brilliant industry, um. And it's a brilliant part of the industry. I always think, um, you know, when, when account handlers are whinging about their jobs, they go, I gave it up three years in and became a planner. You know, yeah. you sort out your your, your problem. And and you're, and your, uh, so th- this is all about, um, the, ultimately about the use and role of music in uh, the creative industries, yeah?
0: Well, that's certainly what I like to talk to people about. But, Obviously, in your case, I, came, I make exceptions when people have something <laughs> interesting uh, to talk about besides that. And uh, obviously, I saw your piece in Campaign that was talking about the fact that uh, our uh, economic models and our economy is feeling a little bit fragile. Uh, the axioms behind why we act the way we do economically are a little bit um, we're being questioned. And so, you know, I wanted to talk to you a bit about that. And then, um, of course, we can get into some music if we still have time, because uh, you know, there's nothing better
1: than that. Yeah, I mean, I think my only—I really enjoyed your questions, um, and I know we'd, we 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 we'll, we'll just have a, a kind of free-flowing discussion, I'm sure. But you know, I, I hasten to add, I'm a, a gobshite ad man, not an economist, of course. Uh, and so, and so, you, you know, I think uh, I mean. I, that said, I've spent 30 years as a servant of capitalism and, uh, and you're either happy with that or you're not happy with that. And I think, I think just as I've always felt that capital, um, advertising is too powerful to be left to people who don't care about it. I think there's a sort of duty of care that comes if you're... I mean, I wouldn't say like I'm a, you, you know, I'm not, not, not an ardent capitalist uh, 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 and I, I'm uh, politically uh, very much more left of centre, but... But I think um, you know, th- th- you know this, this is a system that served us reasonably well, and it's in, it seems to be in some crisis. And what I was interested in a little bit about is about the way in which the, the, the lockdown had, had uh, led to different behaviors from, from companies and organizations that looked to me or smelt to me a lot like stakeholder capitalism, the people have talked about forever, but nobody's really engaged with.
0: So what does that mean? That was, I mean, that was the key question. Uh, what what does stakeholder capitalism mean? Because you just, you make the distinction between stakeholder and shareholder, shareholder capitalism. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of fascinating. Um, when I when I started in the business, you know, literally every pitch would start with the objective would be to grow shareholder value. Like you, we don't do that any longer. But I remember back in at Abbott Mead in the in the mid nineties, every every pitch started in that way. Uh, and I think that sort of you, you know that emerges from 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 sort of Milton Friedman and and uh, and the kind of neoliberal kind of emerging thought, thinking in the 70s and 80s led to Thatcherism and monetarism. They sort of said, you know, business has only one purpose to return shareholder value. And weirdly enough, like, like it, an earlier thought, uh, which, which emerged I think from Stanford in the 60s, was this idea that actually businesses have multiple stakeholders and that a business's responsibility is to serve all of those stakeholders, uh, not just its shareholders and, and I think that while we sort of we talk about that quite a lot, um, uh, I, I think i 'm really interested in this the idea of, a, of what a business 's duty to serve is what what your duty to serve is, as opposed to, and we might come on to this sort of m- more mundane v- vision, th- thinking about kind of purpose, purpose marketing. The you know, purpose beyond profit, all of that consensus, which 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 is, um, I mean, I'm I, I'm an active member of the of this sort of strategy Twitter sphere, and and it, it it's it, it's a sort of orthodoxy that's held held strong for a long time now around uh, around the importance of purpose, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure about it. Why not? I, I think it's I think it's I, I think it's fashionable. I think, that it's, um, uh, I think that it I think that it 's too often so divorced from commercial realities that organizations struggle to take it to their heart, so you see a a purposing kind of um, uh, agenda in an organization and there 's lots of heat around it, and then it sort of fades away. My observation is that 's often because it 's not. It's not really connected enough to the way that that, that company makes money. Uh, and and, I, and I, I, you know, th- there's this phrase, purpose beyond profit, I, I much prefer the idea of um, the per- your purpose should be the means that you, by which you make profit. And, that, and that's why I like duty to serve as an, uh, as an idea because it seems to me that an organization m- might be better off sitting down and thinking you know what what is what is our our specific duty to serve you, you, you know give them what we do what we make our expertise what is it that we are on the hook for really and i think that's what came out that that's what whether they called it this or not that's what lots of companies asked themselves when we went into lockdown which is i mean a lots of people went um, our duty is simply to 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 put out vacuous ads shot on iPhones uh Celebrating quirky lockdown life, or thanking uh, key workers, which we had no intention on ser- of, of of you know improving our products or services for. But some organisations kind of stepped up, and I think there's very lots of evidence now that that organisations that stepped up during that crisis, um, you know, are those that that, that have come out uh, much more likely to win uh, in in terms of consumer affection. And, and, and okay, it's just it's just. You know, one pandemic doesn't make a change to capitalism, but uh, but but I, I'm really interested in in, in those sort of um, you know there's there's early signs that something might have happened. Of course, it, you know the the opposite may be true as well that we all you know uh, we all I call it the recoil. Now we had the crisis, then the recoil, like where where the behaviours spin back. You know, all that all that sort of um, you, you, you know looking out for each other, uh, caring for vulnerable people, you know, does that all return to how it was or or have we had a fundamental reset? I think that's going to be one of the interesting things going forward, as well as there's a very real problem now around um, an an economy in recession, uh, huge amounts of unemployment, Um, you know, whether people will have uh, you know, have have money to 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 achieve the things that they want to achieve.
0: What kind of uh, things do you th- come to mind for you when you're saying you know money to achieve the things they want to achieve? Is it starting businesses, buying property, things like that?
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to be it's, it's a bit more basic than that. You know, make sure my family has a holiday. You, you know, I, I I think you know, we're staring into an economic abyss to a certain extent, and and okay maybe. You know, uh, I, I've heard that the Bill Gates is saying I'll be done by tw- end of 2021, uh, and maybe there will be something very deep that we bounce back out of. Um, but, 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 yeah, but there's going to be a lot of pain. You have to be quite a whole, cold-hearted economist, or maybe the richest man in the world. Though perhaps now it's Jeff Bezos. Uh, you know, uh, to be slightly that detracted. I, th- you know, I think we. <laughs> You know, there are going to be millions of families across this country who who simply don't have the money that they had, uh, and and it was never that much. Um, you know, uh, whether that is through unemployment, whether that's because uh, the, the the you know the, the benefit system doesn't support people, whether that's because you know people like uh, me who at the moment are lucky enough to be in employment and and earn an okay wage, like. Um, whether actually that there's a culture of, of of thrift, we saw that a bit in um, 2008, 2009, 2010. That you, you know consumption's not fashionable, uh, and there's a cult around thrift. So either you're not going to have money, or you're going to be very careful about spending money. And and both of those, uh, that, that, you know, uh, are, are difficult for an economy trying to recover.
0: Yeah, I uh, someone I tend to find myself quoting quite a lot is a, a chap called douglas murray I don't know if you've read right. any of his stuff yeah and he said um uh he said it's understandable that younger people might not be um enthusiastic about capitalism if they feel that they cannot accrue capital like the fundamental you know mean purpose of that system i as, as i'm uh, like you but even even less so, I'm no economist and and I don't understand how things work at all, but I do know that there's a a growing um a growing dissatisfaction with capitalism amongst young people now maybe that's perpetual, maybe it's always that younger people are criticizing you know the system that is because the purpose of being young is to change systems but uh I don't know if it's been as loud that criticism of capitalism been as loud as it is now for some time, and so you know obviously one of the things i uh uh wanted to ask you about was the fact that you made this point in campaign. you said you can't be an advertiser and be anti capitalist really or have i have I got that wrong
1: no no i I think you know whenever I, when I, when I, when I talk to people about you, you know um a personal code of ethics. I think it's it's desperately important that whatever you do, you have a, your own moral compass. You have your a personal code of ethics. There's stuff you will do, there's stuff you won't do. Uh, you 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 know you have to be quite any service organisation where you're where you're representing other people uh, um, or other other businesses. You've got to be uh, super clear on that. Uh, but the one thing I end up going, and I fundamentally believe that uh, that we all um, we all do the best job. When we believe in what we 're selling, yeah so uh, so that, that's always sort of ha- helped me enormously. Do I believe or, or how can I believe in what i 'm selling but but I think uh, ultimately, you have to be sort of okay with capitalism to work in advertising okay? because because we 're servants uh, uh, of capitalism the, the The very concept of brand is uh, is a, is is about surplus value you know brands exist in order to extract. Uh, uh, more value from from the purchaser than the the tangible qualities of that product um, might ordinarily deliver so so you, you know as far as i understand uh, um the economics of capitalism, that is at the heart of it. The extraction of surplus value It's why we pay people slightly less uh, than uh, the value they deliver for us. And it's why uh, uh, why brands are valuable for organizations because uh, they, they, they've got an economic multiplier uh, that means you can charge more than it, it costs you to make that product. Um, so I think it's difficult to be anti-capitalist uh, and work in advertising. And I think that, you know, kind of communications with that capitalism is sort of, it, it, isn't that, it's like public information or, or it, it's propaganda, but it's not a, uh, it's not the the thing that I think we all do, which is, which is, um, we, we fundamentally, we generate desire uh, and then, and then fi- help people uh, uh, satisfy or meet that desire. Um, uh, and, and it's, it's a, it's a it's only half the story for for, for organizations you know like the, the 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 supply side of their business uh is is always under question, and we can only as a as a, an industry except when we cut our fees uh, we can only help the sort of the demand side but but we're really bloody good at at that uh you know you, you know you, you had rory Sutherland on the, on the podcast, and there you know i think he's a, he, he's just one of those. The, the, those people who, who is all about you know how how do you how do you get people to do things? How do you generate desire? How do you turn base metals into gold? And I think that alchemy is sort of, but well, that's the magic of creativity, isn't it? When that creativity is 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 at the strategy end of things, which I occupy, or in the execution end of things, we, we know we know there's something fucked up in human minds that that, that means that that it, the world is a sort of slightly material and magical place.
0: Yeah, uh, you can be convinced that Guinness is really cool if you see a short film about people surfing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know that's a that's a brand that has built that reputation uh, over uh, a long period of time, and uh, but but uh, surfer with is without doubt you know, contributed manifestly to what I carry around in my mind. If, if brands are just that, that load of junk and stuff I carry around in my mind about an organization or a product or service, without a doubt, it's hard for me to think about Guinness without thinking about uh, those cont- those communications. Because I'm as old as I am, I, you know, I go back to Rutger Hauer, you know, uh, in, 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 the, in the 80s, where, who was this weird personification of that brand. It's all in the mix, isn't it? Plus every other experience I've ever had of that, that business or brand. All rammed in there. And, 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 uh, 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 and I'm still fascinated in, in how, you, how you marshal that and in influence it. In the very concept, I guess, sort of straying off the subject a little bit. The very concept that the brands don't really belong to organizations at all. It's a very odd concept to have a brand manager. So it's, it implies you manage the, the brand. I mean, the brand exists in people's minds and our job is... No, I was thinking it's a bit like um, I have in my mind often, uh, like one man and his dog. You know the way that a that a, a sheepdog and his own uh, that will be trying to get the sheep to corral them to go into a into a into a pen. And I think a brand is like a whole bunch of sheep wanting to go their own way. And and you know if you send the sheepdog around to sort of marshal them and bring them, you know, to, to move them in the direction you want to move them. That's sort of what we what we tend tend to do. I think it's it's very hard to control a brand.
0: Yeah. But uh, someone in a larger and larger organizations, there's always going to be uh, a multitude of forces trying to pull the business or the brand in a certain direction. Is that what you're saying? You see, the purpose of the brand manager is to keep it moving in a single direction.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm just making a, a sort of slightly kind of arsey point about a belief that companies and organizations own their brand. Yes. Uh, but, but I think. The point the point we we touch on there is um, that that the concept of brand is much more complex in large organisations, in particularly in service organisations with large employee bases. So so I spend a lot of my time thinking about how you uh, how you build and, and uh, influence people's perceptions of a of a brand like. Uh, like BT like HSBC like eE like directline where 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 that brand isn't delivered by uh, uh, you know some packaging on, on, on a shelf and, and some nice advertising it's delivered by real people uh, and uh, and so so it, they're inherently more difficult to control in that classic sense
0: right um, I was uh going you know going back onto the um the 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 direction in which things more generally are going well for the industry one thing i've wanted to get your take on and certainly people at you know the the upper levels is you know there's an increasing call for um marketing to be done with a uh in a less amoral way in a more ethical way you might say and um i'm interested in I, i'm hopeful that we can be economically healthy prosperous we can continue to grow but we can also be ecologically sustainable now i'm by no means a campaigner for this because i don't i don't have the expertise or the knowledge the knowledge but i know that there's in- interest in it is there going to come a time where like in the 1960s when you had to decide whether you were going to market tobacco or not and at some point that became you know regulated against our marketers and advertisers going to have to decide whether they do advertise cars for example, or things like this, you know in the with the increasing consumer concern about sustainability
1: um i I, I think that's a absolutely um, critical balancing act Because if I think right now what 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 this country needs and what this economy needs and what our businesses need and and and, and their employees who are our consumers is is uh, getting back to growth, uh, and and I think there's a massive imperative for our industry to sell, basically. Um, but but there's no long term future for any of us I- I- unless we can, we can um, build businesses and 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 build a source of prosperity which is sustainable. I mean that in the broadest sense. I mean literally. It seems to me just, just as I don't really don't understand somebody who says um, as I think one of our Cabinet ministers did. I am not a feminist. I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand that concept of not being a feminist. I also don't understand the concept of not being, not valuing sustainability, since it's simply the ability, in lots of ways, to 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 be able to continue to 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 enjoy the things that you enjoy or or, or do the things that you, you 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 do, and 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 the ability to to not just make a profit today, but to make profit in the future, because. You know re- the regulatory environment hasn't changed, or you haven't destroyed the raw materials that that are the source of of, of the things that you make. So, so um, you know, I, I, that's, there's 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 a huge tension in that, but we and we have to find a way to balance it because because there's, there is a short term need to for us to kickstart start this economy, uh, 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 but what we know is that um, longer term we have to find. Um, we have to find a better a, a, a better balance, um, particularly around things like um, I, I talked a little bit about inequality. It, it seems to me that it's a, there's an inherent um, characteristic of capitalism which which it, it 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 piles cash in in the hands of fewer and fewer people. I mean, it sort of, it would naturally do that if you're you know if you believe that that, that idea of surplus value. But um, but but the problem is that eats itself because. Um, you know we are much more healthy as an economy if a large number of people have some money rather than a small number of people have all the money so, so I think you, you know that capitalism is regulating uh, and uh, and regulating better than it is at the moment because it has this sort of self destructive characteristic and I know some people love the idea of sort of disaster capitalism i'm not i 'm not that fond of it uh, just to your point about uh, you know um ethics and morality yeah, i am a big fan that that we're just as we're servants of capitalism we are servants of society uh, as an industry and uh, society decides what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable and um, you know big debate at the moment about uh, about high salt, fat uh, high fat salt or sugar content foods and and and, and, the, and the idea of uh, not just excluding Kids, but but a, but a, a nine PM watershed. You know, I think ultimately it is for society to decide. You know, I mean, I, when I started in this industry, advertising tampons was illegal, and advertising tobacco was legal. We've now decided, as a society, not an industry, as a society, that we that's the wrong way round.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, speaks to the point of things being more bottom up than 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 is often considered. So. Um, this is a point Rory made when uh, when he came on. He was saying that the the lockdown followed everyone locking themselves down. Policy followed public behavior and not vice versa. So because I don't know where I don't know whereabouts in London you are, um but I'm presuming you started to notice a decline in uh you know people pretty rapidly in March.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. You know, we will be called to remember what what ha- actually happened. Mm-hmm. I was reading something, so where where somebody say we we will edit out the last four months. We will have very sketchy kind of understanding of what what the hell did we do? Um, I, 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 and I think yeah, for us it happened very fast. And 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 uh, I think it is to to a certain extent the government's eternal shame. Uh, not that they were alone, but uh, that it, that organisations made those decisions. Not, yeah, you know, and 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 shops and pubs were all met, left and made those decisions themselves. Uh, and then you know, and then once uh, once that has started happening, policy sort of followed. I feel it exactly the same way coming out of of, of the lockdown. Policy has followed behaviour, and I'm not entirely sure that's the right way around. But but I think you're possibly you know, make, making the 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 point about, I I think that the, I'm just not very fond, I suppose, of the um, the idea that in some way business or or marketing or advertising stands against uh, changes in the regulatory environment or in what society deems important or acceptable. I, I think we we have to accept that we are much more. With are much closer participants in our culture and our society than that. We're not sort of bystanders.
0: Yes, but what do you also make of the, 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 the some talk in Adland that would imply that advertisers are not bystanders nor participants, but actually a, what's a good metaphor? Megaphone to dictate or suggest to people how they ought to behave and live you know, as if, we, as if we stand not outside it, but almost above it. And no, can... and, uh,
1: I think you're right. And um, I, I think there's a, the, be, because we are constant, I think there's an engine that goes, because we're constantly searching for uh, ways to, to to engage people and interest them in services and products and behaviours, that that we're we're by necessity shopping at the edges of of behavior of, of culture of um you know of uh like for for emergent ideas um emergent i mean like like right right down to 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 you know finding new artists and uh, finding new techniques there's that that novelty and novelty sounds like a sh- such a shit word but 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 that but that, that there's an innovation at, at the heart of what we do because we know that that's the way that we can interest and engage people uh, and that does help keep moving things along and 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 so I would also i mean and maybe it, to be a contemporary ad person, you sort of have to hold lots of contradictory thoughts in your mind simultaneously. But I'd also say that that, um, that, that we have a huge role in, um, in helping society evolve. Um, and, 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 and if I was being really specific about that, things like how we represent ourselves, you, you, you know, it, is, it is, not, advertising is not a neutral act. You know, every time you communicate, you... You reinforce established norms or you or you you introduce new and emergent ideas and behavior and you've got to be super careful that the established norms that you're, you're reinforcing aren't detrimental. I, I feel like not being really clear on that like like to be really specific, advertising that that uh, ends up making some people in our uh, society and communities feel. That they aren't included in the life of the nation. That, that that's not just neutral. That's that's a problem. And I think, that it, it, and the idea of inclusion is is not not, not just as a as a sort of um, almost an academic or theoretical idea, but 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 the idea that I feel included seems very important. And that's part of the part of the moral obligation of of, of, of advertising is. Um, it is to to understand the uh unintended consequences of our actions does that make any sense whatsoever it, it sort of did in my head
0: yeah it does um and i suppose i was uh, you know uh, i suppose i was also asking in some respects what do you make of the idea that we can um it, as, as if we are a set of policymakers, we can change behaviour based on the behaviours that we think should be introduced as advertisers, not by our clients. Yeah, we've got to be like, careful that
1: about that, haven't we? Because uh, uh, you know, um, you know, there's huge debates about how representative the industry actually is of anybody else in mm. in in the nation, and how and how we get better at um, you know, at, at understanding and authentically uh, representing. A broad cross section of society, so th- there's a bit of me that kind of goes um, uh, I-, I understand the power of advertising and uh, and I think it should be used to advance um, progressive and liberal ideas, but that is very much my my worldview, and I think a lot of people got upset more recently. Or at least have manufactured the concept of an evil liberal elite uh, that doesn 't understand the rest of Britain, I think probably for nefar- you know, that construction was for nefarious purposes i 'm mean, going to do i I'd, 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 I'd find it difficult to separate myself from a belief in, in, in progress for, for, for all of us you know mm.
0: yeah yes um, you 've read steve harrison 's book haven 't you yeah can 't sell won 't sell
1: yeah, what did you make of that? Well, I think I was really honest, and I gave him a really honest <laughs> review for the uh, the dust jacket. I mean, I, th- I said to him, "Look, mate, I, I disagree with virtually everything that you've written, but nothing's made me think about our industry more uh, than this in, in months." And it came just at just the right time during lockdown because I think I was totally starved of any form of stimulation. Uh, but, uh, you know, his his premise is almost that that uh, that, that that advertising has given up the idea of selling because some sort of, uh, you know, lefty conspiracy, uh, an anti-capitalist kind of uh, gr- group, I suspect he means of planners more than anything else, uh, has, has sort of um, has uh, undermined the the essential job of, of advertising. I really agree with him up to the point. Like, I, I'm interested in why we... Uh, 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 why is an industry, we've lost the nose for the sale. Like why we would, so even something like we sell or else Ogilvy's famous uh, injunction to the industry. I think you'd find in certain quarters, people would debate that, you, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I find that they go, no, literally no. I mean, you know whether it's I'm selling you an idea, I'm selling you a new behavior, I'm selling you the idea that you shouldn't drink and drive, I'm selling you, I'm selling, um as but I really bought that, and I was really looking forward to a kind of uh i'm i'm picking that and and I, and 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 uh i mean maybe this is my liberal bias itself but i i found um yeah it was a bit much for me that it's all down to lefties i mean that's mm. sort of you know uh, whereas I think it's much more to do with fashion, creative fashion um uh, uh, strategic fashion. Um, I think maybe uh, the way that we train people, the the way that uh, the the sort of things we've valued in the in the in terms of output in the industry. I think that's that's more. I don't think there's a conspiracy. Is but then I would say that, wouldn't I?
0: Well, yeah, I uh, and I, I think I agree with you. I mean, what George Osborne at one point said, ninety uh, percent. I remember the stat but he said something like 90 percent of the time it's cock up not conspiracy uh which i believe
1: um but you know but you know that to be true because you because you you know when you're working in, in, in when things go wrong in our industry in our business it, it tends to be cock up and not and not conspiracy like this is what what I, you know what i think that the vast majority of any harm the industry ever does is is because we never we didn't understand the consequences of an action, rather than we set out like a, a sort of Vance Packard hidden persuaders. Yes. you know these evil madmen of Madison Avenue. They've got a sort of a, a, a kind of dark agenda at heart. I, I look honestly. I mean, maybe, maybe I can't. My unconscious bias means I can't see this. But thirty years or, or, or in the industry, I think it's sort of said you know when it fucks up, it's cock-up.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yes, I, I, um, I do agree with that uh, as that a broad view as well, that, you know, we tend towards suspecting that all consequences, or at least most consequences, are the result of intentions. And I think you're right insofar as, mm, it, I, I don't know, but it could be that most consequences are uh, unintended and a side effect of a, of a single intention.
1: Yeah, I, and I think you know we're so su- two things that we're so super focused on the intended consequences because you you know we really try and understand what we're trying to achieve and how we're going to do that. Um, but the very fact that we don't really, if we're honest, understand how advertising works. I know that's the big that's yeah the, yeah 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 it, it, it gives the it t- t- tells you that it actually, it's, it's the unintended consequence that maybe the magic, like, 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 why that? Why did gorilla work for Cabaret? Like, it's it seems a, it seems an impossible. I'm sure, I'm sure, somebody will, you know, have, have unpicked that and um, and and, and, and analyzed it. But it, it seems a, a impossible cocktail of of unintended things. That just suddenly, I, I used to say, I mean, we still do, that, that um, the only thing that's predictable in advertising is that bad advertising won't work. Uh, I think the, 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 the truth that we know is we, we, when we sit down and we create something, you know, we might have a sense that it will be successful. But even if that is the case, we don't know whether you have a, a Cadbury's Gorilla on your hands or you've just got another good piece of work going out.
0: Yes, and you actually do see uh, when you're browsing the creative work Section of things like campaign. I don't know about you, but I can see when an attempt at that kind of uh, genius through obscurity has been uh, has been done. So obviously Cadbury's Gorilla, great example, because none of it should work on paper. Yes. If I if I came to you and said, uh, "Great idea for one of your clients, HSBC. We're going to stick a uh, giraffe at a piano and it's going to tap along to Elton John, and then you're just going to have the brand name at the end." Uh, And, you know, then I'm subject to a number of questions like, well, what does that have to do with the brand? What are we pushing? How are we, you know, reaching our customers? But it just worked in that example. And you can see when people have tried, well, let's try something just mad and off the wall uh, and it doesn't stick. I don't know what's memorable about Gorilla, And um, as a music person, I'd be tempted to say, well, (laughs) it's because the track, you know, brand association. But it could be that, but... Uh, but yes, uh, was it the David Ogilvy quote? Half of advertising works. I just don't know which
1: half. I think it's a, yeah, no, it goes way back, Lord Leverhulme, I think, you know, and I think I think that's about that's a well, that was about you know discrete bits of advertising activity. But I, I really like the idea of repurposing it around. I, I don't, I don't, I know half. I know how half my, maybe that's it. I know how half my advertising works, but I don't know how the other half is it is is working. Um, there's, you know, uh, and there's joy there, isn't there? That's and there's magic in that in the illogicality, like, yeah, like, you know, why why there's a silly joke about compare the market sounds a bit like compare the meerkat? Why did we set up a price comparison website for meerkats? Like, what? Wh- why isn't? Why shouldn't that be sort of dr- like uh, the fact that 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 that, that That survived and uh, and made it out into the the uh, real world is is uh, is extraordinary in lots of ways because it's like like a terrible
0: dad joke.
1: Yeah, Uh, and uh, you know we did um, we brought uh, Harvey Keitel back to reprise his role as Winston Wolfe. Like like there was some something really deeply wrong and illogical about say I'm going to uh, have a gangland fixer fixer uh, front. Uh, an insurance brand, because you know that's basically in qualitative research what everybody says about insurance companies. They're like, you know, and and yet if you were the person, if you're the client or the agency or the planner, for fuck's sake, who had said, "I don't get compare the meerkat," or "I think that it's hugely damaging for our reputation to to back Harvey to hotel. those are those are those are serious commercial decisions because because Gorilla meerkat and um, and uh, and Winston wolf have all delivered phenomenal amounts of commercial value from from an illogical decision yes.
0: yes and of course the Winston wolf example is great because it winks at the uh what you know we know you think we're all hustlers and so we're actually going to acknowledge that in our creative idea and uh obviously well I mean from your side uh we know that it was successful because it kept running, but how was it on your side, you know, having that campaign be as successful as it was and, you know, and keep, uh, keep being rebought
1: uh, for so long? I mean, it's, those are the, I think in lots of ways, those are the ideas you live for, mm. you, you, you know, and um, I mean, the story has been told so many times, uh, but, but it's, it seems inconceivable to me now that we pitched with three ideas of which this was one of them. And we yeah. were really enthusiastic about the other two as well. Not so much like it, it seems to me like one of those one in 10,000 ideas uh, that, that uh, and the reason that creative teams, frankly, have to churn through so much work to get to find. It's not like you, you, you're you a godlike genius and it just comes to you. You've got to get through all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that decision, through. and I'm going to say from a from a from a strategy point of view, um, you know, that, that that was that was pretty hardcore. You know, here was an organisation which uh, which couldn't win if everything only thing that mattered to people was the price of insurance when they bought it, particularly as they weren't on and are not on price comparison websites. Um, uh, the only way they could win is if they ask people to think, no, 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 don't think about the price. On its own think about is this going to work when you need it when you're by the side of the road and it's pouring with rain and you know your car's broken down, um somebody's broken so so uh, there's a there's a there's a there is a strong strategic rationale about uh, we need to focus on fixing people's problems not on the price of our insurance or giving away soft toys uh but 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 you know as a planner the thing that that I still live for in lots of ways is is you brief something and you go into that first creative review and somebody tells you, you something you you could never have got to yourself and it um, is 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 bizarre i mean I, I remember briefing ee and saying it's about putting people at the centre of their digital universe back in 2012 about at launch 4g 4g proper broadband on your mobile not hokey old 3g with the fir- only company that's gonna Going to be able to deliver this into the market, and uh, you know we're we're British. We're as British as the day is long. O 2s all a bit European, and and Vodafone's all a bit European, and uh, so this is a British brand. Uh, and uh, uh, and I, I I'm thinking Dave Gorman. I say I'm thinking, and they go no Harvard. Um, sorry, uh, they go uh, um, Kevin, Bacon. Kevin Bacon, and and you go what the fuck are you talking like? like and of course, what we we end up is this this wonderful. Uh, it's the creation of, of Kevin's, which is is a Kevin Bacon that we know logically as a Hollywood a lister and lives in L.A., but seems to understand what the plotline of Neighbors in the early 1990s and uh, and how big Charlie Dimmock was in uh, television uh, gardening programs uh, around the turn of the century. Like, uh, and that that's the magic of that. With, with this was this mad moment when they go, I know you've said this but it's all about this. And I, and I think, you, you know, maybe what we're we're warming to is that this desperate need for us... There's a phrase which is when, when, um, when baiting a mousetrap always leave room for the mouse and it's often used to help clients not put so much stuff into their advertising, like leave something for the consumer to include. But I think also in our process, you know, leaving space for the serendipitous, the mad, the magical, the flight of fancy... Because, you know, my my experience and looking at the stuff that I admire most and I admire most both commercially as well as creatively, it, it's got something wrong about it.
0: Yeah, and what do you think about the preponder uh, the, the the proclivity to minimise risk and make everything measurable? You know, I want to be able to measure the results of my creativity uh, in a way that. Um, Maybe precludes those kind of mad ideas. You know, how am I going to be able to measure if that was successful? Well, I
1: think I think um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've to be slightly careful. I'm the chief strategy officer, of advertising <laughs> agency, serving clients every day. Um, it's got to be measurable a- as outcome. The question is is to what extent you can measure, you can predict its success. Now, what I would say is that is that um, is that every Piece of what we did for Direct Line, and remember now we now switched that creative vehicle up. Uh, one of the very few examples of a of an agency switching out a creative vehicle in full flight when it was hugely successful uh, for for this superheroes campaign. But I mean, every execution is is pretested, um, and uh, you, you know, back when I worked, uh, now legendary but defunct agency called H H C L on things like Tango and Pot Noodle, all of that work. You, you, you know, so I, I'm not I'm not saying. Stop pretesting and uh, and everything will be fine. But, but I think you you've, you've got to be able to you've got to to leave some freedom for the magic to happen. Now, good cre- people who evaluate creative work uh, early doors well, whether that's quantitatively or qualitatively, understand that. But often, you can be at the mercy of people who and and systems and methodologies that simply cannot cope. And, and and that's where you get this sort of drive towards orthodoxy. But, I mean, we would just say, you know, I think part of our art often is is understanding, you know, what are the rules you shouldn't break, ever break, stupid to break, and what are the rules that need to be broken right now because they are just horseshit.
0: Yes, yes. They're not rules that are in place for, uh, because they produce a good outcome. They're more like safety barriers or blinkers even, you know.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So... Um, I want to uh, change lanes a bit now, because um, uh, I don't know how much time you have to spare, but uh, um, I'm sure there's some interesting stuff that uh, we could dig into. I mean, let's start with, for example, Direct Line, um, the Direct Line campaign. Have, did, have you actually had a chance to work with uh, Mr. Harvey Keitel, the wonderful Winston Wolf? Did you actually be on
1: set and there in wow, the plan. I mean look at me I'm the planner I'm always left at home when, yeah 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 you know um so the they is, took
0: pas on uh, they took the pas on flights to shoots in Brazil in the 90s what's going on
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I, my misfortune was joining the the business at the beginning of the 90s when the party was over and um, uh, uh, no I mean uh, you know uh, and uh, but he was a phenom. I mean Phenomenal value to, to to deliver. I mean, a great idea. Uh, he uh, and somebody who in who might uh, you know under, uh, understood what we were trying to achieve and, and did a brilliant job. I, I, and the same would be the true for, for Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Y- yeah. Y- you know, the the these are people, and I and I I know I know that people sort of go oh, they're celebrity campaigns. I I see them very differently. It wasn't really Harvard Hotel. It was Winston Wolfe. That is a that is a conceptual idea around, you know, that literally came from. We had a meeting with the client during the pitch process, and uh, they 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 were they were saying, "No, it's about it's about proper insurance. You know, insurance that put thing puts things right." And as i was having a chat with the ECD in the lift on the way out of the meeting, and he and he literally said, "Oh, it's a little bit like." Uh, that scene in Pulp Fiction where Winston Wolfe clears up the mess that Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta have created at the back of a Chevy Nova, and, and I mean, I was talking earlier on about those moments. That's that. That's one of those moments where you go. So, so I would say, you yeah, know that 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 was that was Winston Wolfe. Um, uh, Kevin is a, is a, is a brand spokesman in a classic sense. You think of him now, and you think of the brand but both of them sharing i mean uh they uh, they have they've delivered phenomenally like when we you talk about branding and attribution i mean like the, and we we're all obsessed in the industry about distinctive brand assets and mnemonics and like famous vehicles that people recognize is the best way to to get your your advertising recognized um so so uh uh but, but yeah, fantastic contribution. And we have swapped him out now for for Bumblebee, Donatello, and um, and RoboCop. Uh, but but uh, and I think that's that was a really interesting journey for me because few people change their creative vehicle when it's successful. They they wait until it's waned, uh, and it's a it's incredibly brave, an incredibly brave client to kind of go right. Let's let's switch when we're ahead
0: yeah there's this uh idea that i first heard at the age of 15 when i saw the dark knight um when they say you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain and i think that is a very brave thing to do but always the right thing to do go out when it's still good not when people have gotten tired of the idea not when it's become old not when it's become predictable so like you say retiring the idea yeah
1: but i mean you call that you you know that's about that's as that's as difficult as predicting whether the market is peaked or and you should you mm. should sell your shares i mean how do how do you, you you know and that's why i think agencies and clients who have huge success find it difficult sometimes sometimes to 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 sustain that because they hold on to what's working, yeah. Um, a, 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 and and then I think that paranoia sets in around well, it, you know, when you found a one in ten thousand idea, can you find another one? And are <laughs> you sure you can find another one? Yeah, yeah you have to have a lot of uh, you have a, a lot of uh, c- c- a confidence or conviction rather, I think. And time will tell, but I mean, the early signs is that the new campaign for Direct Line is as well remembered and effective as uh, as uh, Winston Wolfe uh, where we left off. Um, uh, so you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of starting to feel that uh, that decision was vindicated.
0: Good, and it's going to be seen as an invincible brand from now on, maybe. But
1: um... yeah, and honestly, I mean, like. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that really winds me up is when people say things like uh, "it's a low interest category." Like, uh, I, I, I think there's n- there really isn't. There's just b- boring thinking. There's not a low interest categories. I, I, I think you can. I mean, you you can. Uh, like, we're we're, we're we we we're, we we're, we're the nothing's impossible agency. You know, that's what we've believed in since our foundation. Uh, we. Chiselled it into the steps at Charlotte Street, uh, where we were for, for, for forty years, and and, and then uh, and now and now we 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 were so sort of um it kind of uh, pigheaded about it. We dug out the the step and took it to our new new office in Chancery Lane, and to add, uh, we put nothing's impossible in six foot high letters on the top of the building to annoy all of the lawyers that that kind of felt originally. That's honestly, this is Chancery Lane. What the hell are the who from advertising doing turning up, but but nothing's impossible. Um, uh, you, you know that, that's that's a belief that with enough energy and and creativity and intelligence you can you can get anything done.
0: Yeah, yeah, I sympathise with. I suppose James Brooke Partridge from Ogilvy for this, and he said uh, he expressed a view I, I often express myself when people are saying things can't be done. The example is you know g- getting to the moon in 1969 on a pocket calculator uh worth of computing power you know if, if the challenge isn't as as extreme as that then there's probably a way to get this done whatever it is
1: yeah and 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 uh, i mean you, you you absolutely like that that's everything for me now, you know, and if I was to bring it a little closer to to, to oh well, I'm I, I'm really interested in the brand like Sipsmith, and what's happened to the gin category. I don't work on that brand, I don't work in that category at the moment. But you know, I, I just remember ten years ago, if you spoke to any distillery brand, they would have told you that when it comes to white spirits, it was all over for gin. It's about vodka. It's that era where you had you know Grey Goose going, Great Guns and Siroc and like vodka was was where it was at, and then. A couple of people decide, fuck that. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'll decide whether I can create a phenomenally successful gin brand. And, and not only have they done that in in Sit Smith, created a, a successful brand, they've totally revitalized that category now. Of course, we think the artisan gin is where it's at. And and I think it's the people who are. It's actually we call it chutzpah. But but the, the people who have got the audacity to kind of go. Um, are, I'm gonna to get to the moon by the end of the decade, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. I mean, like literally he says that now, of course, you know he then leaves it to everybody else to to deliver that but uh, uh that's that that's, he, he checked out involuntarily in his indeed defense. he did <laughs> um uh but I, I think that's that's awesome. that's our, I mean that's what I believe in what as an agency we believe in, but it is the industry at its very best, you know the refusal to believe that you know i I think that the that There's a sense of well, there's a the market has a destiny for my for my brand or business, and uh, and there's little I can do about that. I, I I think that's you know there's so many good examples of that being bullshit. Yeah, um, and you know, and, and uh, we we're talking a little bit about direct line. Don't go, go on about my favourite insurance company, but you know, it turns it takes a certain amount of audacity to go. We are not going to go on price comparison websites. Uh, we still believe in the direct model and uh, and we 're going to attempt to rewire the category so that uh, so, so that uh, people believe that performance or enough people believe that performance is is important as price
0: yeah yeah um, i 've been really thrown for a loop by the direct line thing now because there was something very specific that I wanted to um, to ask but um in lack of that and let's say uh let's let's say we've got 10 minutes left just to get your uh musical flavor out because that is after all that's my brand uh is yeah. is dealing with music and um yeah, I, I want to know what your relationship is with it because normally, you know, well, not normally, but often I'm talking to creatives. What music did you put on an ad and what got rejected and what, you know, the, the... the. But I don't know anything about your relationship with it. Why don't you, you know, you might be a massive vinyl aficionado for all I know. Uh,
1: no, I mean, I think like most people, my, um, my kind of musical taste got kind of frozen in my early 30s. Um, but I think, I think it, is a, it is an enduring issue for us as an industry. The music isn't taken seriously enough. Um, it's an issue for your industry. It's an opportunity for <laughs> businesses like mine. It's an opportunity for businesses like yours. And frankly, it's an opportunity for brands who take music seriously. Absolutely. And there are some brands that really do take music seriously and, and have historically done so. Um, you know it's not just the way that it you, you know you can see it when you uh when you lay down different tracks against a piece of work and it fundamentally changes the meaning of that that work but i still feel a little bit like you, you know and, and i'm a am a planner so honestly it's it's not something necessarily that i start the journey thinking about but um but it seems to me to have such a manifest impact on on if both. I know this goes on ground, but on efficiency and effectiveness. So, so, does it create the effect that you want? Uh, does it add create the effect that you want? But also the efficiency thing is: do I do, do I you know uh, do I understand that this is a, that this is an uh, this is a piece of work from that brand In, innately because of the musical choice, and it may not be the music itself, you know. And and you you know, I was thinking the other day about. You, you, you know, Mother did an amazing ad for for Boots one Christmas that used "Here Come the Girls," and uh, it was phenomenally successful. It's hugely empathetic, really insightful about the role of women during during uh, and particularly women who are in female networks at work at Christmas time. But then then the client kind of goes, "I'm imagining," says that was successful. Let's put it on everything, and and then they crush the power and potency. So I think that, that it's not. I'm not saying get a track and then. Uh, uh, use it ubiquitously. I think there are huge issues with that, but 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 uh, 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 I think I think a prowess for particular uh, approach to music ca- can become really powerful, and we we saw that in the in the nineties where where you know Levi's moved musical genres with every single commercial, and yet. Um, and yet I knew, I just knew, and I, I mean, maybe that's the half of the advertising that you don't understand what, why it works. But, it, and I think similarly, a brand, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche, of course it's a cliche, but, the, but the, the way that a brand like John Lewis uses music, it is not famous for a musical track. It's famous for its reverence uh, towards music. And, and yet I think, you, you know, how often does that that production budget start with or 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 have cut out of it a significant chunk for music Which do you mean, that, how, how often does it get
0: a, a well you, you know of you, you,
1: how often is music treated at the beginning of the process with with that reverence it's all too often uh, i mean some, sometimes you, you know music comes early in that journey yes. uh, sometimes the director is super clear uh, uh, about their vision and they bring that to you. And then sometimes you're, you know, my experience is, 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 is you've got 20 tracks and you're trying to sift through them. Yes. The I
0: think that's actually something that is, that is definitely something I'd sympathize with. I mean, music is such a powerful emotional communicator that it actually surprises me that it's left as an outsourced uh, part of the, the creative process and that agencies don't have their own carved out speciality task force devoted to it because it's such a because it does it it, you know command emotions in such a pronounced way um
1: i I, and i I wonder whether uh, so i I think what would help in that conversation honestly is is that the the strategic end and the executional end of our process is is married together a bit more because i think one of the things that that might be helpful i mean i've slightly sort of Derided the conversation about distinctive brand assets uh, simply because i 'm tired of the idea that you can sim- you can just sprinkle some distinctive brands assets over a piece of workers and- magically. it will be well branded um, but 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 it, it may be helpful in that journey because you, you know increasingly clients, clients are thinking about whether it 's right or wrong to do so uh, sound mnemonics uh, they 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 there is certainly have thought for a long time around voiceover and the distinctiveness of their voice, uh, and uh, and and the association. If if we've talked about you know spoke, brand spokespeople and brand characters, uh, brand the voice is really important. And I, I would like to see music elevated as part of that triumvirate, not not track necessarily, but but certainly the treatment of music or the approach to music yeah. because i think that would bring it forward in in our in our conversations
0: yeah i think you're right uh in terms of you know you mentioned how often is music considered at the beginning of the process and often it's considered well it's always considered at the beginning of the process but often in only budgetary terms how much money are we going to reserve for music we're going to have 5 grand for a library track or are we going to put a bit more in for a known track and those that's the big, the big two no. i always hear in the discussion known track Brand association, and is that what you were referring to about sprinkling brand assets on it?
1: I, I think a little bit. I'm just a bit tired of. um we've got a colour, and we've got a logo, and we've got a mnemonic, and we've got a, a, a you know brand lockup, and yeah. And if I just dump all of those in um, into my ad, it will be well branded. I think. Think you know to that point about the attribution engine. That's a wanky term, but but the 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 work that we've done more recently that that is phenomenal in consumers knowing it's for your brand yeah it's it's a, it's a more mercurial cocktail it's not it's not because you know the, the the logos on for 6 seconds at the beginning of the any of that stuff um but but uh, um yeah I, I i i think it's a it's a really good Cool and and I, honestly, I hadn't expected this conversation to be so, so centrally about that issue. But 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 we know when music is right, it's it's phenomenal. And the only thing I'd say is, I think in the latter stages of the process, you, you if you can get it right, you, uh, my experience is that good clients go back for more. Yes, yes. And my worry is that
0: good good musicians or are- probably more accurately record labels, have priced good music out of, uh, you know, advertising sometimes. I mean, it's when I spoke to, you know, Rory, he said the same thing. He said, uh, you know, he knew someone who was making a film and it was set in the 60s, the Kennedy era, so they needed the music to kind of timestamp it. And they just run up against impossible demands because, you know, uh, I've seen tracks that were that you wouldn't consider A-list huge tracks sell for 50 grand. And I think that's what your, uh, I don't know, you know, who, I don't know who divides the budget, but I think when they think we're going to need a known track, they just automatically, well, think enormously expensive. And now that's what music seems like enormously expensive.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, same token, y- y- you know, uh, you know, artists need to be rewarded. We are using their work for commercial purposes. Are we yeah. we're clear clear about that. But with, you know, I, I'm you know, I think we're all also really interested in the way you can work with emergent talent uh, to help uh, to help their, them. Uh, just as we might work with new directors uh, to to you know uh, to to get get them going. And and there's a, there's a freshness that comes from from, from that. Um, but but you know, I was. There's a couple of things that have been like um, I don't know if you've seen Mrs. America. Um, uh, it's it, it's, a, it's a it's set in the late 60s, early 70s or 70s, uh, and it's a beautiful period piece. But the mu- you notice you, you're I mean I'm shazamming every fucking track. Um, uh, I thought also the uh, BBC. Um, uh, I may destroy you. Uh, had sens- sensational music. And I think, you know, that that's content and not advertising, but we know it makes a difference. I, by, by the same token, I, I think there was a film, a Beatles film, a film about the Beatles came out a few years ago with no Beatles music in it. Cement, it. Sort of Ertzatz Beatles music. And you're going to go, this simply, why did anybody think that was a good idea? So yeah. so there is there's a power in authenticity. Uh, and authenticity. And do you know what? I'm going to, I'm sorry about this, but. You know, we, we we considered lots of different fixes for direct line, uh because it was always certain that that uh, you, you know, you you're you're gonna get you you truck up to a pitch and, and you yeah, so we, we and 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 maybe it was wrong and maybe research would say as well. wrong I mean, so we looked at lots of different types of fixes, but but in the end there's there's one there's only one person you're gonna call when you're in trouble. You call the wolf. You don't call anybody else. You don't call a sort of mafiosa character that, you know, or somebody who looks like they, they, they've come out as Sopranos or, you know, you call, the, and I think that there's a, there's, a, there's a surely something in music around authenticity. Like you made an effort, Rory again, I'm sorry, this is becoming a podcast about, about Rory, but you cannot underestimate the reverence with which I treat him. Um, he, he talks about this, he's got this phrase which is um, advertising is, is expensive and difficult because if it wasn't expensive and difficult, it wouldn't be advertising. And, and what, I think what he means there is that there's, a, there's part of what we do which is which instills a deep sense of, a, of an organization's um, belief in itself and its longevity uh, and, that comes from, to be really blunt, the money on the screen. There's something about effort in advertising that pays off maybe that's also about so I'm a bit a bit harsh there i'm I, 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 i'm a bit sort of i think one of the things about i've, I've reflected on people people in our business is we tend to be tribal you know like you 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 uh, you're tribal about your brands in a way that you know, a lot of work with consultancies recently and, and consultancies are, are there to offer best practice ad agencies i think will die in the trenches fighting for you and, and it, you know uh um, so I think I think there's something about um, the effort that a brand has clearly gone to, and 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 I and I feel that when I see a great piece of content where music has been thought thought about and it's perfect,
0: and not just been pasted on. Yeah, yeah. Any I mean, examples come to mind? About, sorry, any examples come to mind?
1: of music pasted on well, no, i think no uh, no
0: of, of where you could really tell that the effort had gone into it you gave boots obviously
1: yeah yeah although i think that, that was then just pasted on and they drove every bit of value out of it
0: so it worked uh, well in one instance and then they tried to just replicate that same. yeah because process. they went oh that worked and it wasn't to do with the context
1: Completely, and then they, you have know, awful, you know. Then, then the, the agencies say, "Well, maybe we will just have it at the beginning and the end," and it all sort of dies a terrible death. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm really interested in the in the move that some clients are making towards scores and um, their own proprietary music, and whether that that works in advertising. I sort yeah. of get yeah, that mnemonics can work for some brands yeah uh in some instances but but it, but our, our musical scores the bespoke musical scores the future l- l- like a bespoke typeface is or 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 not um, so that would be interesting because because often they need to be laid down across everything that you that you make yeah. um, we, we, you know whereas I, you know, I think some of the music that we most enjoy like okay here 's an example right now uh from mcdonald 's you know. I think a wonderful piece of work where they welcome people back to their restaurants, and I don't. I don't think any of us realize quite how meaningful the idea that we could, we could go back to McDonald's was going to be as a sign of normality returning. You know, and they and they choose to return the mat. You know, and it's just it's just a sublime choice. It's it's and it tells me it is perfect, obviously, for the what they're what they're communicating, but it also tells me something about about The pride in their brand, about about I don't know the craft, uh, uh, and maybe ultimately, you know, we we like things that are made well. It doesn't matter whether that's a you know piece of furniture, a car, or a or a, or a piece of communication. Yeah. Craft like I'm a planner. I know nothing about craft, but but I'm beginning to think that that um, that that, that uh, I'm beginning to think about get interested, more interested in the way that craft makes a difference. And uh, we've we've sort of said it's the idea for too long, like and maybe. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the, in the '90s where we didn't care about what the, we made scruffy advertising it, it, because it was all about the idea. You know, it didn't matter it about you, you, you know the craft. And I, th- I think that that's that. I'd like to think that's changing. M- maybe it is. Maybe it isn't.
0: What do you mean? As in, we can have not much of a big idea behind something, but if it's beautifully well-crafted. No,
1: and I'm not arguing for that, but I'm just arguing for the return of craft. I had an experience recently, and it's not... Well, no. uh, We we did some work for for Marie Curie, um, a palliative uh, care organisation, and uh, we wanted to talk to people about how important it is to to talk about death. Uh, And so the idea, which is pretty good even if I say so myself mm-hmm. it was, uh, we, we, was uh, whatever you call it, we got a million euphemisms for death, kick the bucket push up the daisies, pop your clogs uh, and it doesn't matter what you call it We need to start talking about it because it's very clear that when we talk about death uh, it's much more likely that we'll, we'll have better outcomes because we talk early about this important subject. Uh, so we, we, we executed a, a piece of work campaign that brought to life those um, those euphemisms, both in a in a very beautiful, charming, animatic style, but also with a bespoke uh, song uh, uh, about what we call death, and 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 I and I and I'm convinced that in the the context of the the traditional sort of rawness of charity advertising, that craft uh, carried that work and made it. It it, it made it. Uh, it allowed it to live. It, it became a sort of. Um, we were able to deliver this sort of quite punchy message because there was a, a beautiful, uh, a velvet glove, around yeah. it uh, that people wanted, and the people in the organisation wanted to use, uh, not just sort of go. Oh well, we'll just push. And and uh, so I'm I, I'm saying it is is uh, the craft carries the idea. It's it's not craft without idea that's a pop promo
0: yeah um but what about
1: idea without craft i know Well, you're i'm really- saying you know that's that's what you, you know you know i, I spent a lot, we spent a lot of time and it was a particular moment in time where, where i mean not a lot of work that we did at hhcl on hot noodle and on, on tango wasn't particularly well crafted often incredibly funny but we liked the rawness, and then often we were we were fighting for British brands against sort of slick American uh, brands. You know, Tango was fighting had a street corner feel to it because it was fighting. You know, this at the time, not now, but this time, the slick imported American uh, uh, coke. And um, but but I think you know, I I, I sort of I almost uh, resented craft at the time. I just thought you know got in the way of. Just brilliant ideas. A bit pretentious,
0: maybe.
1: Yeah, possibly. And and I have really changed my uh, my mind about that. I've totally changed my mind about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, the reason I asked about Steve Harrison before is that I spoke to him last week for the podcast, and um, he talked about perhaps a new hiring manifesto, so to speak, for, ad- for the advertising industry. Because you got me thinking when you were talking about not you know great ideas uh and maybe not much of an obsession about craft got me thinking about the fact that maybe advertising maybe adland in london is populated by a very particular type of person who seeks it out and and uh you know uh, steve recommended maybe a dominic cummings-esque call for weirdos and misfits and people who wouldn't ordinarily be drawn to the industry um but I don't know. Uh, you know, do you, is that something you see? Do you see advertising attracting a uh, you know not a, not a, not an orthodoxy of people, but something approximating that? That's phrased more gracefully.
1: Um, I think it's without a doubt one of the issues that we face as an industry is is the diversity of our talent, and 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 uh, uh, I mean that. Most centrally, in order to tell authentic stories that that that, that people across society and our our nations relate to, and and uh, the very, I mean, the very, I mean, how many kids say say, oh, do you know, I, I'm, I well, I really like to go into advertising. I mean, I, I didn't, and 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 I'm I'm obsessed, you know. So so I, I think. Uh, that's a that's a massive I- issue for us and i and i do think that at best you, you know we 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 need to attract misfits and 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 people who who are wired that's the only way you get you know we're all subject to the same information and stimulus the only way you that you get a creative output is there's something weirdly wired about people that means you say one thing and they come up you say British icon, they go Kevin Baker, you know, like yeah. a, a, and it's a small. Oh, you say I've got a price comparison website, uh, and uh, uh, and we need to drive salience. Oh, that sounds a bit, like you need people who are capable of doing that, and it's not a skill that 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 is is particularly ubiquitous. It, it, it is certainly isn't anything. Our education system is that. Interested in just for the sake of having a political pop, uh, you know. We we do, however, know where Dominic Cummings's uh, um, injunction got us to, which is you know one of the worst death tolls in in the world uh, and an absolutely cataclysmic uh, approach to um, to, uh, to 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 the exam system this this year. So I, I think. Um, I'm not prepared to take a leaf out of Dominic Cummings's book, but I'm prepared to listen to Steve when he's calling for uh, some more weird people.
0: Well, of course, uh, Burnback was weirdo because he was not an advertiser by trade. I don't know if you do you read Dave Dye's blog?
1: I, 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 I do, and, and okay, here, there's there's somebody who who's always exemplified craft. He is, you know, where when when it was moderately unfashionable, he still was just achingly wonderful, and and and. Yeah, Burnback, I mean in part in part it was that Jewish outsider kind of uh you know uh back background. Um and and, and maybe, you know, like well Steve Harrison's great heroes is how Gossage, you know, I think David Ogilvy was an ARGA salesman. Um there's a there's a value and Morrison Charles Sarche is were were iraqi immigrants jewish immigrants whose family fit, you know, fled persecution in the late 1940s i think um, outsiders are the lifeblood of our industry and yet you know we aren't necessarily geared up to make sure they make it to our doors
0: yeah which is you know and that's an additional brief in itself isn't it so
1: it's an additional brief. I think that for all sorts of reasons, this it's the brief for the industry this year. I mean, and I don't mean this year and next year will be something else, but, but I, but I've seen more, more focus, corporate focus on that agenda. Uh, you know, on, we're starting a project called open apprenticeships and, you know, lots of people, lucky generals are, are trying to, to, um, to, to, to bring people in and solve the the accommodation problem. That's what, one of the things we, we that we can manifestly change is is um, is uh, how expensive it is to to join our industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as a Mancunian, part of that I'd say is how expensive it is to join London. But
1: um... yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's a really good uh, and possibly completely different podcast. But yes. but it is, but but. It is just the fact of the matter that in the UK, advertising is dramatically centralised in in London, whereas in the US, okay, for sure that the, the, the centre of gravity is in the East Coast and the, and the West Coast. But there are great agencies, you know, Porsche Porter in Miami, and then Boulder, Fallon in Minneapolis, uh, widens up in Portland. We don't necessarily, and I'm not, uh, you know, there are. Incredible uh, regional agencies or agencies around the UK, but it's an it's an odd one, isn't it? What, what, and is that not, nothing to do with advertising? Is that, is that the, to do with the United Kingdom? I sometimes wonder whether it is uh, it, it, it is um, the presence of London in the UK is a problem for the UK because because it has to contend with having this enormous global city sitting in its sort of bottom right-hand corner uh, um, uh, with much more in common, I don't know with Paris or New York or Sao Paulo than it has with
0: the much of the,
1: of the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, but, but it is the case that, um, that while there are great agencies in Manchester, in, in Edinburgh and lots of other parts of the country, Bristol, lots of creativity in Bristol, uh, uh yeah, London sucks the talent out of, does. Well, it does have a huge,
0: like, it's enormous gravitational pull. It's like a black hole in the, you know, just like sucking everything down to it, as you said. And I'm not, I'm not resentful about that. I don't have this, you know, uh, fuck London, Mancunian attitude. But uh, it is a thing, you know, like, um, it is a thing to be addressed. How do we, how do we diversify talent Geographically, as well as everything else, how do we make sure there's stuff going on in Edinburgh, Newcastle, and and you know Leeds?
1: Yeah, and 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 and, and tell those tell those stories authentically. Like, uh, so an example, I'd, uh, I didn't work on this campaign. I worked on the strategy, uh, but not the execution. Um, Wonderman Thompson did the campaign for HSBC. Uh, I'm not an Ireland, uh, and there's work in that campaign that is so brilliantly written. About Manchester or Newcastle or Edinburgh or Glasgow. Was, yeah, it was a good campaign. That, that, that you you can't fake that. You can't sit in in L- London and make that stuff up. You have had to, and, and I think it's a shortcut. I think for for saying if we are to properly connect with consumers, we have to be able to tell their stories authentically. This diversity is not a casting issue. Mm. Diversity is a is a is a storytelling issue, it, it, you know. Because otherwise, what you end up with is is y- y- you know middle class London stories, but you're know, cast with a diverse background of people. And I and, I, and but it's I think, the same story underneath the casting. Yeah, and and there was a time, and it, you know, if you go back and you look at what happened to our industry in the early seventies, when basically, uh, you know, basically working class blokes. Came out of art school, not the army, uh, which was sort of the previous generation. With officer class, you know, left the army after the war and went into advertising for Japes and stuff. Uh, you know, you, you had you had that, that influx. You know, people like Dave Trot are still examples of of that who brought who brought a different way of telling stories and different stories and and and, and stuff that was much much more of the vernacular. And, and and at the time, I think, created a, a, a distinctive idiom for British advertising, which in television certainly had previously copied the Americans. And so we had that revolution once. We need more of that happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, wanted to close off on one thing um, because you mentioned Dominic Cummings. And in campaign, you said... Uh, the vacuum of leadership in our political class. And I just wanted to, I wanted you to maybe free associate on that a little bit, where you think we are politically. And if you want to go as off the chain as the strategy, you know, the chief strategist of Saatchi's can, the agency that once sold the Conservative Party, what's going on?
1: Totally. But also, you know, I, I represented uh, Gordon Brown in the 2010 general election. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, and in a sense, an agency that is politically engaged. Um, so, so I, I haven't got any problem with that at all. Um, uh, but I'm going to try and be a little bit objective. It does I certainly seems... wasn't
0: accusing you of hypocrisy, in case it came across. Like
1: Thank that. you very much. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I know. And uh, uh, I, uh... <laughs> it, it seems to me that we made a decision to to back a populist. Style of politics just at the time when we needed leadership, uh, not bread and roses, and bread and circuses rather, yeah. um, and, uh, and 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 that, that has caused huge damage. And, and And the lack of leadership is 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 persistent and woeful. It's almost shameless, you, you know. Honestly, I, I, and obviously, that's not a UK specific issue, you know, we've seen that played out in, in lots of parts of the world, the, the uh, kind of retreat to populism has caused huge problems. So, But
0: yeah, I did, I did also think there was some, it's horrible to say in an issue where there have been, you know, like, innocent lives have been claimed by the pandemic, but I did think there was some poetic justice to the fact that, obviously, I think the Prime Minister uh, was going to do whatever it took to become the Prime Minister, and I think he did the Brexit thing as a, as a means to that end. And then I think his premiership will be singularly defined by this pandemic
1: yeah and I mean I wrote very early I'd be very critical about government communications and advice it, and yeah. its sort of haphazard approach. I did feel that the that initial salvo uh, uh, you know um, around um, stay at home, uh, protect the NHS and save lives was potent. I mean the fact that they changed it. Change it every second Thursday. Mm. Uh, it's been problematic, um, but 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 it just came is just came too late, and 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 advertising can only be effective if it's in market. Uh, so I, uh, I I don't I mean, I I'd, I'd be interested if anybody can claim that that um, our political class are, are offering the nation any form of leadership right now. I think. We're, we've been left to make it up ourselves, and uh, and and also it's it, it will be the job of our larger organisations, businesses, and 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 groups and NGOs that can make a difference to try and sort this out. Because I don't think the state seems up for it.
0: Do you think uh, part of that is because, uh, or part of the problem is that you you know so you talk about populist leadership, which I think is accurate. And do you think it's in the interest of populist leadership not to say or do things that are going to be unpopular, like take an early, uh, a proactive stance on the pandemic? It's a definition,
1: you... isn't it? For yeah. definition, um, is that you know? I think we do want people who, I maybe maybe leadership is about you know is about taking the decisions that that uh, that are unpopular because you have a. Clear sense of of your duty um, and uh, and a vision for the co- kind of society or country you're trying to create. I, I wish that we were. I wish we were. We we liked electing people who had a vision, a plan. Yeah, but that's not necessarily the case at the moment. What do you make of the opposition at the moment? Well, as a uh, I, I yeah. Well, that's a very you know, there's no secrets. I'm um, Labour Party member, and and um, and I'm hugely excited by that decision. I think that that was not necessarily inevitable that Keir Starmer would win. I, I found it very energising. I think he's under a lot of, uh, you know, perhaps perhaps criticism for for uh, not offering a plan himself i think is very difficult for oppositions you know you've got it's four years to an election there's nothing we can do about that uh, unless 80 tory mp's all have by elections and lose um uh um so so y- you have to play the the long game and and it is you know there's a cadence to opposition uh, which 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 is difficult to to to, to police i think but um uh, i uh I, I at least I look at Keir Starmer. I think that uh, there is a prime minister for us in four years' time.
0: I certainly hope so. I hope so insofar as he appears to know how to speak, which I think is uh, crucial in leadership. I mean, you know,
1: yeah, that's... T- t- totally. I mean, and, and I think maybe I th- I thought those things were important, and then I may I was sort of m- maybe that it, f- it felt like those. That it felt honestly between twenty sixteen and twenty. 20- Nineteen. That some of the things I had believed growing up as uh, Thatcher's children and growing politically, you know, aware in the nineties and that, that some qualities of leadership, they seemed to 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 to, to fizzle out, and, and that wasn't necessarily what what electors were looking for. What I do feel about uh, the decision the Labour Party made to elect Keir Starmer was that it um returned to a belief that uh principles without power is pointless it doesn't it doesn't help anybody and, you know it, it, what what is your what is the point if you're just talking to yourself rather than you're empowered and you know dear old i mean every time dear old Tony Blair sort of says anything he 's deluged uh, and he you know personally speaking i think he destroyed his his legacy yeah uh, uh himself um um but but there there was somebody who who gave progressive politics in the u k enough power to get mm. su- not everything done like and why he didn 't properly reform the House of lords so now it's been gerrymandered and packed full of you know freak show Brexiteers. um but but so so i'm not no i'm not an d- apologist at all but he gave us enough power to get some amazing things done. Introduced minimum wage, for example. Totally.
0: Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: Short sure and... Start rebuilding our schools, rebuilding our hospitals. Northern Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I have to keep reminding myself is that is you know you, it's such a tendency to write off John Major. He did he did start that. I I, I once spoke to Jonathan Powell, who was the government's chief negotiator with the IRA during the peace process, and. He was saying that actually what was different about Blair was he believed, maybe this is back to the Kennedy quote, he believed that you could achieve peace in Northern Ireland and the truth was that no previous prime minister actually in their heart believed it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's that case of, you know, ah, I'm going to have to quote Star Wars here because, you know, uh, when Luke fails to lift the X-Wing, can't do it. Yoda does it for him. He says, I don't believe it. He says, "Well, that's why you failed."
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think you know we need more people in the world who, who believe, believe who who are, who who are kind of greet the impossible with a sort of uh, bloody-minded uh, determination to, to prove the world wrong.
0: Yes, and I like that you at least implied that there's not a false, there is no false dichotomy. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, between power and principles, you don't have to choose one or the other.
1: No, which is good. So, should we leave it there? Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. I'm sorry, it's a, a, a typically sort of rambling, emptying of my.